So it's uh, it's been several weeks since we recorded, which I think is ample time. Now, I wanted to get y'all's opinion. Uh, so has Oracle completely decimated AWS by this point, as predicted? Uh, maybe. Is AWS still up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. De- definitely. Uh, yeah. Uh, so far, I have run into one person who said they wanted to use Oracle Cloud. Mm. Um, they were an Oracle reseller. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like it. And, and he, Yeah. Um, and they had not yet used public cloud before. So I, I'm going to guess that they, uh, they were right up Oracle's alley. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Hmm. Well, you know, in addition to that follow-up, uh, so it look, looks like things are going well uh, on the uh, the AWS killing front. It's a good job. We, we you know, there was uh, I I only saw this uh, yesterday or this morning, I guess, because it was announced then. But it looks like VMware and AWS are teaming up. I know it's like finally, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, now I read all of the notes that Matt Ray collected for us. Uh, you know, which is above and beyond my usual performance on these things. <laughs> And, and you know, I, I couldn't quite – it sounds like there was a lot of uh, – in some articles, there was some hybrid talk. But it sounds like basically you can run the uh, – you can run the, 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 the hypervisor, as we used to call it. It'll support the VMware VMs over there in the AWS. And then, and then, uh, and then also you can manage your AWS usage from within, I think, vCenter, from within the VMware management stuff. And then an additional thing is basically you will be buying from VMware and paying to them and they manage it. Um, now, the fourth thing that I didn't understand is, is if you could do the old uh, bursting hybrid cloud model three, I'm just making that up sort of thing, where I have one application that's being run on AWS and the another part of it's being run on a private cloud thing, straddling a firewall, right. as as it will, as it were. So yes, I think that's always been that's always been you know when when VMware people talk about uh, public cloud, um, it's always like, well, you you would do some testing in in the public cloud, uh, but you're gonna you're going to run your production stuff back in the data center where it's safe. Right. And, and you know, you'll do uh, some cloud testing, you know, bursting um, into that, that stuff. But, you know, when, when it comes down to running production loads, it'll be back in the data center. And what's interesting about this play is it's really, it sounds the same as the, the vCloud AirPlay, right? You know, we've got some extra capacity for you running over here. It looks just like your, your, um, you know, your LAN, you know, your WAN, and uh, the machines are, you know, it's the same VMDKs you're running. Um, I, that makes it kind of uncompelling to me, but, you know, obviously I'm not the target audience. Um, yeah, so that, that was kind of my hot take is like, this just looks like vCloud Air running on AWS now, and, and VMware is managing the instances. It sounds almost like, it, you know, AWS doing colo. Mm, yeah, you know, it it does seem like, I don't know, any anyone, not that we would know anyone who, who worked on cloud strategy between the years of 2011 and 2013, it sounds like all the hopes and dreams that a company would have 
uh, for for that kind of thing. We're we're basically to use a, a word from a previous era. You've established a fabric that that you can run mm-hmm. all of your computational stuff on, regardless of of public or private or things like that. So. Uh, and and I think I think if if you're if you're a, a VSOP sort of customer, I think you can get some access now or later, or you have to wait till next year, which would be dandy. But <laughs> I, you know, I I, I uh, without knowing the technical details too much more, and uh, there's a there's a good take from uh, I I think we'll put him in the collection of people known as our buddy. But as as our buddy Cloud Opinion wrote up, he wrote he wrote up a good piece that was kind of like the more uh, skeptical take on it and like. Who's mm-hmm. giving up power and things like that, which which is uh, which is good, but it does seem like uh, this is probably exactly what every single customer that a VMware rep visits is asking for, <laughs> right? Like like it's if, just, if, yeah, if if they still want to talk to VMware, yeah, 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 no, exactly, and that that's kind of what the cloud opinion guy points out in his his uh, anonymous snarky way is. On the VMware side, I mean, there's there's interesting conceding going on. On the VMware side, there's this conceding of like, well, I guess I guess we need to do this, uh, and 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 then it uh, on the AWS side, and this is his nice uh, sort of um, not counterintuitive, but I hadn't thought of it that way. Opinion was that uh, it's sort of like a weird, a slightly contradictory, and I'm adding the slightly from AWS's main thing, which is like public cloud. That's what you want, unless you're the CIA. So, uh, you know, it, it is sort of like a loosening of the uh, the bravado and the uh, what's what's the table pounding word? Not bigotry, but there's a nicer version than bigotry. But just like public cloud is the only way. Well, but but if you look at what Amazon's done previously, they, they've they've always made concessions to making money. <laughs> Agree. And, and so, you know, when when it came to things like dedicated instances. And workspaces, and um, you know the the direct connect. You know they, they've been trying. I mean, I've said this before that you know Amazon seems really happy to do anything it takes to dig people out of their data centers. You know they'll they'll come in, they'll they'll migrate your your schema. Your you know they'll migrate your on prem database, their cloud database. So they've got services and offerings that. You know the the Google folks turn their noses up at, and you know Azure is you know paying close attention to because you know they're they're executing the same playbook only instead of having VMware in their pocket they're like we got Azure Stack, um, so so yeah I mean Amazon is they they they've always said you know we're not going to do hybrid cloud but this is like well we'll let we'll let VMware do your hybrid cloud and because there are a lot of VMware people yeah. but you know. At the end of the day, they don't want to. They don't want you know to invest resources into OpenStack or something like that to to let you do on prem. They still want you on their cloud. Yeah. They want to dig you out of your data centers. Dig you out this of your does, data centers. All very much in line with you know the everything store. Of, you know the great Amazon profile of you know the rise of Amazon, and it kind of comes back very similar to like you know books. Right at first, they just sold books. And then you know they invited publishers to like get in with them, and then of course they learned a lot about that business, and they really became the behemoth. And the same thing plays out is like I think it's clearly they know right they need VMware today. I think VMware just as calculating knows it needs to be there, but it's definitely a partnership with you know questionable motives on both sides, right? And mm-hmm. so Amazon, if we kind of follow that pattern, Amazon brings you really really close, learns about your business. And then where it makes sense, right, they will then, you know, potentially compete with you and try to displace you. Now, I do think in this one instance, 
you know, we'll see how it works out. But VMware is such an entrenched platform that, you know, just getting people to get rid of VMware and VMware instances will probably take much longer than it would for like people switching on books and other things like fast moving consumer products. So um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and my, you know, my impression based on uh, VMware's other cloud initiatives is this one will take longer than expected. Um, and, you know, Amazon probably doesn't need VMware as much as VMware needs Amazon, but this is also Amazon making sure that VMware doesn't make this partnership with Google or make this partnership with Microsoft. Yeah. You know, it's the Amazon, you know, VMware needed to do this, but the question is with who, you know, with Diane Green over at Google, you probably would think that you know, they, I mean, they, they've had some, some, some stuff together already, you know, Google and, and uh, Amazon, VMware had been white labeling a few Google services through vCloud Air already. But, uh, you know, this just keeps keeps VMware and AWS's circle instead of somebody else's. And I, and I guess that's I the other detail. Any, the other detail to go over any, is, is that uh, that the, and I, I don't know, understand how this, this works out, which is not to say it doesn't, but that the uh, various AWS services when you run on top of this will be available to the VMware customers so they can use the Redshift and all of that, which, you know, may seem obvious, but it's more than just like running a bunch of VMs on the cloud. There'll be ways of, uh, I assume, in a managed way using the uh, the middleware, as, as we used to call it, on AWS, which to some extent uh, makes it sticky, if you will. But all of and this is sort of like, I would assume the the sort of long-term margin play for most every public cloud is like, come for the open VMs, stay for the middleware, right? And so they all mm-hmm. have their services and middleware, so it would make sense that you would want to use that. And then, I, is, is data gravity still a thing? Does that is that still exist? Yeah. Or, or, or have we <laughs> that, figured that, out anti-gravity devices? No, no, that, that's, that's, where, that's where the sweet spot is. Yeah, oh, go, going, back spot. Oracle, you know, going back to Oracle and, uh, and you know, the, the free VMs or whatever, I, I think in the show notes you mentioned, somebody said, you know, Oracle needs to start giving that away because nobody's coming into that cloud because they know, you know, data gravity with the database and, you know, the other middleware uh, data stores, if you will, um, that Oracle has are what are why people pay so much for Oracle. Mm, you know, yeah. they, they can't get away from that. Um, so, you know, how do you how do you tempt people into that cloud? You got to start giving stuff away because you 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 know you have to do something to aggressively get people on there because you know who's going to touch that with a ten foot pole mm. knowing that history of you know <laughs> of of you know state governments suing the Oracle you know and and just you know Oracle getting you year after year. Yeah, you know, you know, but but I I interrupted and cut off Brandon, so we should get back to that. But before I forget this oral marginalia that I got in my head, you know, speaking of things you don't want to touch with, like a ten foot Gantt chart, like I was reading about, like uh, you know, the bimodal and systems of record and systems of expression or whatever the fuck they're called, and uh, I was thinking, like, it's been several years now where we just take for granted that you can't touch the system of record and it's busted, and like. I don't know if anyone's ever established like why that is. I mean, it's sort of like if you remember the Trumpian 400 pound hacker who can't get out of bed, it's sort of like, well, why are you giving up hope? 
maybe you could like exercise them and have them eat better food. But we've sort of like given up on these systems of record as anything that we can like touch or like mess with. We're just like not allowing innovation there unless you're like Jez Humble and like you can actually do it, except in his accent. <laughs> so what were you going to say, Brandon? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> then I'll come back to that. <laughs> yeah, I just I was just going to say like I I didn't see anything around. Uh, exclusivity in that agreement. So my guess is, like, I think we'll see an announcement. I mean, obviously, there was an announcement with IBM and VMware, and I think there'll be... My guess is there'll be an announcement with um, Google at some point. Mm. And then, I don't know, Microsoft's maybe a little bit more tricky, but even I wouldn't put that out there. So, because it seems like if you're running the VMware side of the house, strategy is, like, your platform is pervasive enough that probably all these cloud providers want to like do something to make sure yeah. that those customers that are VMware customers can utilize those clouds and you don't really want to get in bed with any one specific one more than you have to. So, I mean, I don't, yeah, you know, I don't have any inside info, but it, it would seem likely we'll see in like three months, we'd see a similar announcement now, from either Google, Microsoft. Now, now, did did they use some language that would indicate ex- exclusivity or anything like that? Or like, I, I didn't really pay that close for some someone who talks about reading press releases a lot. I didn't actually read them. <laughs> I didn't see it. I don't know, Matt Ray, maybe read it closely. Yeah, I, I mean, they, they they made the announcement with IBM, and IBM had some sort of you know counter announcement of like you know, hey, we're still working with them too, and and. I haven't heard if if this means you know what they were doing with Google is off. I I don't imagine. Um, I I I would be surprised if they did something with Microsoft, uh, just because you know fighting Microsoft at the v, you know at the hypervisor level for so long. You know, I mean Microsoft's been coming after you know ESX and vCenter, you know, as opposed to you know just being a, a neutral cloud player. So. Yeah, you know, I would expect them to play with everybody but Microsoft. Mm. Um, maybe, maybe not Oracle either, because you know, Oracle does it with the uh, Zen, um, yeah. with their virtualization product too. Um, they they still got so some yeah. of those. Uh, they've still got some Thetans left over about that whole Hyper V <laughs> incident, right? They're just like old scar tissue from uh, from free yeah. Hyper V. Yeah, yeah, but but circling back to the other tangent about databases and, and data gravity, and then you know. Moving data uh, faster and stuff. Uh, Redmug had a, had an article. Um, your your old buddy uh, Stephen O'Grady um, had a, had an article how databases seem to be the part that's left out of out of you know DevOps. You know nobody really talks about it because it's hard. <laughs> and and you know uh, and and this question comes up. You know I, I in my in my new uh, role I, I I'm on sales calls and and visiting customers some and. Um, yeah, and that comes up where people are like, "So can you know? Can we roll schemas forward and backwards and and you know, hot deploy them?" And I'm always like, "Yes, you can. We're not the tool that does that. Go buy some books, you know, because essentially, <laughs> the, no, because 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 you know, it, it's it's a gotcha question, and I know, I know either you know either the person asking it is asking it because they know it's a gotcha question and they want me to say something dumb, or they have disqualified themselves as a customer." <laughs> no, no, I, you know, I, we just have to point out like, you know, we're not the tool that, you know, automates your, you know, your CICD of databases yeah. unless you know what you're doing with your database. And the way that you know what you're doing is you go and you, you know, read those books and you read, you know, blog posts from, you know, from charity majors and Etsy and, and people who have done a lot of, you know, 
DevOps with databases and, and blogged about it. But, uh, you know, it, 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 it is the hard part. And that's why, like, you know, the storage vendors are, are kind of the next, um, you know, Oracle being an example of it. But, you know, the other storage vendors are, are still ones who can extract a lot of money out of customers. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why there's so many, you know, storage startups is because this is, this is the next place for, you know, automation and disintermediation because it seems like networking is kind of figured out. <laughs> you know, like too many SDNs. Yeah. There are too yeah. many SDNs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we had a, uh, on my other podcast, which I'm sure all listeners listen to, Pivotal Conversations, me and... Uh, Lord's- he, <laughs> what's that? Lords of Computing. Yeah. Or and, yeah, one but, of the other ones or one of the other ones. In, in the, it's not associated with the Panoply network, but in the Panoply of podcasts. Uh, anyways, we, you know, we had a, I think we've had two episodes about how like, it's like databases are fucking hard and it is, uh, yeah, you know, it, it is, it is a continuing mystery, uh, other than maybe it just being really hard, like why that's not a solved problem. And, uh, you know, there's, there's even a, a, a little company here in Austin called DataCal and they basically, what do they do? There's, I don't know anything about any of this as it were, but there's some open source thing called like liquid something <laughs> That like is a way of extracting out your IDLs. I even forget like your schemas and they have some technology that'll translate it between MySQL and Oracle. And so you can kind of like automate it and stuff like that. But it's still shouldn't shouldn't what? Shouldn't they be data cattle? Not data cattle. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I don't come up with the names, obviously. Uh, But uh, it it is like, it reminds me of, I was fiddling around with some DNS the other day, uh, like yesterday. And as one does. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, and like, so, so I was using this, uh, what's it called? Like Fireside, whatever, whatever the new podcast hosting thing is. And you can like point your domain name at it. And it's like, just go create a C name record. So I went to go create a C name record. And of course, it'll go to www.coteshow.co.show, but I don't want to have the www. And so, like, apparently you need to create, like, an A record that points to an IP address, but then that IP address might be transient. So then what you need to do is have a URL redirect, but if you do that, you'll lose the path. And it's just like, what the fuck, right? Like, all I want to do is have this name point to this thing. And, like, why is it so hard? And, like, data is similar. It's just like... I want to put this data in this thing, and when I go to get it again, I'd like it to be the same, right? It's it's just it's a weird like uh, the, the 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 problem is so simple that you're trying to solve, but the solution is like apparently incredibly complicated, and like who designed this DNS thing? I don't really understand. <laughs> <clears throat> well, there we have some more feedback to go over. Anyone up for that? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should have less coffee in the afternoon. Uh, <laughs> well, so last time I don't remember what we said we were going to uh, promise to do, but apparently our call to write more uh, reviews has been working out well. I think we have. Uh, if you look in the iTunes store, we have eleven customer reviews, and and we have many of them from 2016. So we've got lots of tips. If you go look at the review page on good Ikea products and a few, a few, uh, few Costco ones, but I want to read, uh, the most recent one and, and, you know, in order to get people to, uh, to, to, to come out and read some more the, uh, it's from October 11th, 2016. Now five stars. I'm sure 
if more stars could be given, they would be, but we appreciate the five. It's, <laughs> it's, from, it's from someone named B. Kestiny. Uh, I don't know if that's Kestiny or B.K. Steiny or B.S., you know, whatever. But it's also, uh, they seem to be representing from stamps.com. So here we go. This podcast is great. I would like nice short sentence to the point. I look forward to a new podcast all the time. Well, that's fantastic. You know, you wake up at 2 a.m. and you're like, when's a new podcast going to come out? It's both informative and funny. Right on target right there. The more episodes you listen to, the more inside jokes you start to pick up. The stamps.com rants are where it's at. So, Brandon, gold star for you this episode. All right. Thank you. Appreciate the shout out. I'm yeah. sure stamps.com does as well. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's good. They're quaking in their sponsorship boots. <laughs> yeah. So the only two other follow-up things I wanted to go over before I forget. One, uh, as I mentioned, I, I'm playing around with the podcasting backend. So if you see some annoying behavior in the podcast feed, that's my fault, right? Like whenever you switch things over, like sometimes it downloads all the episodes over again or whatever. But like I'm just trying to, I'm trying to optimize the way I do this, which is resulting in me spending more money, but that's fine. Uh, so, uh, so sorry about that. And then also, Brandon. Quick, quick follow-up. So who's buying Twitter? Yeah, so the, the word is no one wants to buy Twitter. That uh, means, as we like to talk on the show, private equity will be buying Twitter. As uh, Salesforce, Apple, uh, Facebook, and Google, the, most surprisingly, has uh, have all pulled out. Or, as I like to say it, the, the guys that run the spreadsheets, when they plug in the Twitter price, they're like, nope, still too expensive. Wait. You know, the Excel block comes up and says, wait. So they just are going to wait for a little bit. And another great line that I was, I was uh, some investment banker told me once, you know, like great companies are, are bought, not sold. So like if you're kind of telling everyone you're selling yourself, that it's not usually the way you get a good price. So I think we're seeing that play out um, in public and, you know. But it's maybe not a surprise. But private equity, right? I think, you know, it seems like Mark Andreessen and is very is, is literally silent on on Twitter, um, probably he and his his fellow uh, investment bankers and uh, VC and private equity people would probably get in there and buy it. Well, you know, that would that's, be a, a good bet. That, that's some good Twitter conspiracy theory there, like tying Mark Andreessen going silent to private. I hadn't heard that one. That's well, it seems thing. likely, right? That I bet you there's. Um, you you gotta stay off of the product you're trying to sell, <laughs> like an I SEC is, kind like, of thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you've worked at any large companies or you know been involved, even as little as I have M and A, there's just always somebody in a room who's just like, "And this, and we do this." That means none of you are allowed to do X. And you're like, "What? Like, I can't, you know, I can't go to the bathroom. Like, what does that have to do with it?" <laughs> We're acquiring uh, like toilets, that. so you can't use the bathroom. Like when you're red in, you kind of it's. Uh, You'll be amazed, like when you're like quote read into these things, like yeah. the, like all the things they tell you, um, and so I don't know. I do think you know, looking uh, as we sit here recording our call here on Skype, right? Like remember, Mark Andreessen and team um, successfully, I think, bought Skype from eBay, right? And then they, uh, I don't know, they did some magic to it and they sold it back to Microsoft for a pretty good deal. And oh, I um, forgot I that. they were like, they were Twitter, involved you know, in that. There's um, yeah, yeah, it's a good model. Um, like just if you under if you know if you think about the technology and put that aside and say like you know acquisitions are about people and stuff and you know no one wants there's just something like almost like dating like you don't want to watch everyone like if the whole world's watching you try to get a date with somebody it's not necessarily that comfortable but if they often decide you know private equity buys it and you know quietly owns it and they can quietly talk to people that maybe want it but don't have to be play in a real public way. Um, 
that seems the way the deals really get done in like quote the real world. So I wouldn't it wouldn't I would like I said that's my bet is that some buys it quietly kind of like gets it all in order, takes care of some personality conflicts maybe that exist in Twitter that are well documented and then sort of presents a very nice asset that can fall into someone's advertising portfolio. Mm. Yeah, you know that reminds me. There's Paging a, Verizon. Uh, yeah, there's there's a. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. There, there's a little Tyler Cohen uh, a column or Cohen with a W, not an H, and uh, it, it's it's a it's an interesting sort of like counter take on uh, companies have a short term focus and and they're you know to making their their numbers and you know I'll I'll put a link to it in the show notes as it were, but uh, he says two things that are interesting. One, it's sort of like well, no one's punishing Amazon. Right. Like and, and other companies who have seem to take a long term, uh, a long term view, which is which is true, but a little like limiting. He what he doesn't do is he doesn't jump in with which I would consider the uh, the interesting point, to, which would be, well, maybe these companies suck. <laughs> right. Like like maybe if you're to the point where like you're worried about making quarterly numbers all the time and people don't trust that it's consistent, then like that's probably what should be happening. Right. Like things are overvalued or whatever, which I I have no idea if that's true. But then he sort of to this point, he makes kind of a, an offhanded conclusion. He's just like, or, you know, you can also just go private if you don't like it. You can get out of the kitchen, which I think is uh, exactly. that's, yeah. that's what we tend to see. And I, well, I think going public. I mean, this is the part that people don't talk about, right? Is going public is 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 about making a promise, right? Like when you're you're going public and you're someone's you're convincing someone to buy your stock, you're usually convincing them to buy it because you've you know you've convinced them that there will be a certain growth rate. And in the case of Twitter, it's you know monthly active users or whatever they want you know grow. And so that's the part that's gotten Twitter in tr- trouble. Like you know, just putting aside like this is the thing we I think we talked about a bunch on this, but it's always good to like revisit. It's like Twitter as a business is fine. I mean, it makes money, right? I mean, you could just you could run it profitably. It's just the fact that they've stock to investors expect a really high growth rate, and now readjusting that is the really painful part. And that's why you know, as we've talked about many times, private equity is the only is maybe the only way to relieve yourself of yeah. this growth tax, right? Yeah, just finally be. That's the point I was being inarticulate about, which is like um, what I meant by they're overvalued is just like 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 these are perfectly fine businesses. They're just not five billion dollar businesses or whatever. Right. Or, or, you know, double digit growth every quarter businesses, which is, you know, your buddies with the spreadsheets are supposed to figure all that shit out. But they're probably busy making sure that the highlight macros are correct and so that they don't uh, (laughs) they they don't accidentally acquire a company. And these companies that, you know, were, are the, the poster children for, you know, ignoring Wall Street, you know, your Amazons and, and uh, you know, Google's, like, Google's, you know, the, the kind of the, the punditry on Google's latest device announcements have all come back around to, like, well, you know, Google's starting to, you know, have a more realistic, you know, footing in the market and, and you know, the, the alphabet stuff is, you know, about... Well, less less moonshots and more, you know, planned moon voyages on a ten, you know, on a ten year schedule. Um, and so, you know, I, I know, uh, I know you guys are probably excited about the new Pixel phones and and, and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> but but uh, but Ben Thompson's article about about uh, you know Google and uh, you know the limits of strategy is like well. Google kind of has to get into this because uh, you know it's time to make a a focused bet in this space. You know you have to 
you can't just you know sprinkle the whole market and and hope to get what you want. Sometimes you have to actually lead the way. Mm. And uh, you know, so that that's a really good article. Um, I should read it. I, I listened to half of this week's <laughs> podcast about it. Uh, where where are we the going? exponent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, that that's really good too. I mean, they they spent you know the hour talking about that as well. That you know Google has uh, you know they they said. You know, this time we're really serious because, you know, the Nexus wasn't serious, even though it was a pretty good phone. Um, and so now, you know, they're having things that are exclusive to the Pixel. And, you know, um, I'm I'm kind of perpetually on the market for a new phone. And I still can't decide if I'd rather get a Pixel or, you know, uh, not the not the iPhone 7, but the, the 6 mm. SE or, you know, the, the tiny one. Well, I let, still want a small phone. Let's let's do a little a little product mar- managing here Matt Ray what is what is it that you're looking for in a phone what is it, what what is it that you want what do you don't want what are your requirements okay okay let's start with what i don't want um i don't want uh hmm <laughs> hey, like, we we can I, all agree we don't want I, rotating this is what knives. i would like to do i'd like to answer no i'd like to answer for Matt Ray about you, you know, what that wants because I, I think this I is the, the struggle. It's like no, no more it, strategy text. Yeah, it's just it just comes in. I think Matt Ray, there will be some features that he will in a few moments. He will as he gathers his thoughts, he'll come up with some features that are really mm-hmm. kind of hard and sure that kind of make it a real dilemma. But I think you know if we if we were to um, this new phrase I like that I discovered from some sociologists, Matt Ray's deep story. So what does he really think about himself and the story he's telling himself? I think he he's struggling because. Android and Google represent a very technical audience that you can do lots of stuff with. And I think that's where Matt Ray will always see himself as being a strong technical <laughs> leader and a person that is technology first, needs to know what's going on. Is And that's where he drives kind of his personal worth. And also that's why he's great at his job, right? So, But the struggle is he also picks up these iPhones and is like, you know, that's pretty easy and it does work. And, you know, my wife, she has yeah. one and it works pretty well. So, but yeah. it doesn't so, jive with like it, it does kind of face these like I don't really want to be associated with that crowd all the time. I, I prefer to be associated with other crowd, but there's this internal struggle. So that's like it's almost like an election for Matt Ray. He's really an undecided <laughs> in this uh, in this election of Google the, the, this, versus the iPhone. Is, and we're all yeah. we're all hoping Matt Ray makes the right decision. That meaning so, whatever uh, side you're on, you just hope he you joins your team. I mean, I mean, who doesn't know someone who uses an Android phone? Am I right? That's just normal. Right. You just use Android phones. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Uh, um, that that that's kind of the kind of true. I mean, so so uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, Apple gear as I stare at my Apple laptop here, and and you know, my wife's got an iPhone, and we've got iPads, and um. And so, you know, a lot of that in the house and I'm used to it. Uh, you know, I've, I've used an iPhone before. Um, but then, you know, every time there's a new iOS rollout, you know, something breaks on my wife's phone and, you know, I have to figure out how to fix it. And I feel a little limited um, that I feel like a lot of choices have been made for me. Um, yeah. And, and you know, generally they're good. But then there are other times when... Uh, I've, I've, I've invested that time in, in learning all the intricacies of, of, you know, the Android, um, quirks. And I'm sure, you know, if I went back to the iPhone, I, I'd get those too, but there's just so many, so many little power things about the Android that I like. But the funny thing is like Siri and uh, the AI stuff, I don't care about at all. Yeah. <laughs> 
so so I don't really. I'm not the target audience for the Pixel. I don't know what the target audience for the Pixel is because it's like, I like the pure Android experience. That sounds good to me. I don't really care about their exclusive. What I want is a small phone that, you know, because I'm not going to watch movies on my phone. I don't need a, a tablet in my pocket. I just need a reliable phone that, you know, does calendaring and email and, you know, some Twitter and, you know, whatever else you do on your phone. But you yeah. hit on like something's really interesting, Mary. I think you really are hitting on that in that episode of Exponent in the article. They spend a lot of time talking about uh, you know AI, artificial intelligence, or assistants as they've become known, right? Which is basically Siri, Alexa. I don't know what the Google. What's the Google one called? The um, whatever that one is that you can talk to. And it's it's really interesting because there's so much emphasis on this as an industry. There's all you know. It just makes me almost want to be just counterintuitive. I'm like, hmm. Is this really gonna? And I'll just, you know, an insignificant, you know, one-person example. But, you know, my son who was five, right? He, you know, obviously doesn't type a lot. You know, he he likes to talk to, um, you know, Surrey or whatever you can talk to because he just thinks it's fun. And if you watch a five-year-old interact with Surrey, uh, and I don't know if this is true on the Google one, maybe it's better. But like Surrey is just so utterly confused. It's just useless. Like, <laughs> just like, because the way he thinks, like, he wants to talk to it. Like, he's like, he'll say, Tell me a joke. And Surrey doesn't do that. I know Alexa does. But then he'll say, like, Surrey, I want to tell you a joke. And all the thing has to say is, like, Tell me a joke. Okay. Right. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter at all. Right. And he just, and it's just so confused about, um, and then he likes to, like, you, know, you can change the name it, um, that it calls you. He thinks that's really funny. So he'll be like, Surrey called me and then I'll pick some five year old gibberish. And it's like, all Surrey has to understand is just like, Hey, you're just playing with this kid. And you just have to repeat back some stuff, which is, I think is, you know, at least when you watch it, you're like, this would be pretty simple. But it's so far. I mean, it's just so far away from even understanding anything. You're like, hmm, this feels like, you know, it makes me feel like you could have that, uh, what they say, the uh, like the nuclear winter of AI again. It was like, wait a minute, we got close, <laughs> but like, oh, no, we aren't. It's, it, yeah, it, yeah. You know, it's weird so, to me. So- yeah, so so your uh, your preschooler and Walt Mossberg both agree that Siri is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that article, but he he seemed to say, and this is where Ben Thompson, and those guys, they really believe because Google's better at services, which seems fair, right? And I I wouldn't disagree that they'll figure it out um, better, or Alexa will figure it out better. And you know, somebody somebody else made this comment on Twitter. I don't know who, but he just says, "Can we stop calling it AI and can we just call it statistical analysis?" And it's like, yeah, that, that's <laughs> yeah. More generally yeah. correct. And it's like, has this um, statistical analysis really gotten to the point that is it just a matter of training, right? Because this is the thing you hear over and over and over again about AI is like, well, we're just training. We're doing more training. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like we're doing more coding. We're doing more coding. It doesn't necessarily make me feel that we've got it all figured out. Um, but which is interesting because that seems to be, if you listen to the Ben Thompson argument, to come back to your original comment, right? It's like, that was his big reason why Google will win is that they're going to be so much better at the AI side of this because that's what they specialize in. Um, but then it just makes me wonder, like, is this what the world, does the world really want this and can really deliver it in any predictable time frame? I don't know. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> it, like tying back to the tangent about uh, the elections at hand, um, you know, Wired had uh, an interview with Obama and that dude knew what he was talking about when it came to like deep AI and or general AI and specialized AI. And it's like, he'd clearly been, you know, either, either he reads, you know, a fair amount of, uh, 
well, he's got good science advisors, I guess. <laughs> but but they they went into talking about you know specialized AI and general AI, and uh, you know he was talking with Joy uh, Ito from MIT's Media Lab, and uh, it's a fascinating interview. Uh, <clears throat> but you know even even uh, even the president is is you know using these these sorts of advisors and thinking about how the uh, the AI is coming around and. I mean, I, I guess because you know this is going to date me seriously, but when when I was back in school, it was before it was it was during the winter, the AI winter, <laughs> and, and so we were still talking about like you know uh, natural language processing and mm. um, and and it was it was before uh, um, Sergey Brin and and uh, uh, the other Google founders on. Uh, you know, mining databases, you know, mining deep data sets and stuff. And like AI sucked. <laughs> yeah. yeah you're, you're, so what you're is it like? This is what I come your, Why? You were lucky to get one of your robot friends to open a door without destroying it. I think, I think that's what, uh, what AI was up to. <laughs> Why, what has changed? That's the thing I guess I think about. It's like, other than some sort of natural marketing and, you know, just, kind of fads you know maybe it's a, not, it's a wrong word but like <laughs> what, like has there yeah. been a definitive i mean people see the potential and that sometimes that's all you need right like i think self-driving cars is in this category like we all kind of like whoa it looks like it's right here and maybe it is maybe it isn't right but but the ai thing i just um and i think in the case of self-driving cars there is like you know you can get a tesla today that pretty you know mostly drives by itself obviously there's issues with it um and there's some technology you've seen it right like we've kind of seen it in the wild a little bit and we're like okay it seems like it's close now the ai though i, I kind of come back to i'm like what is has there, have, I, have i missed it have we seen something we're like oh it's really about to happen like because we're all seeing it because of whatever is it surrey and then or is it something else well it's 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 google it's it's having the massive, massive data sets uh, where you can try and the massive amounts of compute where you can try um, where deep learning with, you know, multiple data sets with different algorithms can be tried in parallel. Uh, so so it, is, it, uh, is it just there's compute? It's scale then, right? It's, it's scale that makes brute forcing elegant in the sense that yes. like compute and everything is relative to the, your cold winter days or whatever uh whatever <laughs> like like it's uh compute is dirt cheap and the data sets or is it data and, and the data sets are equally cheap or available and then so whereas in the past you needed a bunch of funny greek letters and nlp and stuff now you can just be like fuck it run fifty thousand processes a second or whatever and just like, exactly see exactly. which one wins and and, and so, so you know, in in AI, you know, the, that was kind of one of the points of uh, the the Google founders' papers was you know finding those those needles and you know huge massive haystacks and exploring those those problem sets, and you know as they started to scale up, that the 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 results got better and better, and so you know the the it turns out you know back in the the winter of AI, there were a lot of really great ideas that just they couldn't throw enough compute at a test. And so now you know, there's this renaissance of AI because you can go back and revisit all those, you know, papers from the, you know, the 80s and 70s and 90s. And it's, you know, it finally works. <laughs> well, but you know, that's the, question. that's the part, like, does it really work? So I think your point, though, is really good, though, about like the data's there, there's more computing. But I guess until like enough of these things really like, 
you know, go through and they're like, yeah, you know, we did, we went through all the data and we trained it and there's this really great experience that blows everyone away. Or maybe it just, you know, again, it just kind of comes back to like, well, it just wasn't good enough or you need even more data or something, you know, some other, because that's the part, like, I do think AI seems different in, like, because I, I would think, or, you know, that's a bad phrase, I don't like that phrase, but, you know, the, the place that I, I like, I think, I would like it to work better is, you know, just predictive text input, like just texting, right? That seems as awful now as it's always been. Like, granted, I'm a bad speller. I think I'm below average and maybe it's just me. I just, you know, like I'm so confusing to the predictive text um, thing. It has no idea what I'm doing, but like, it just seems like that never gets any better. It's always just like guessing the wrong thing or just simple, right? That you think are like capitalization, right? It's clear that I'm using an acronym or it's clear that I'm using some uh, geographic location. It's just awful at that. And it's, I don't know, maybe yeah. that's not a good well, AI problem, um, you, but you should, just, you should try it on Android. Is it a lot better on Android? Maybe it is. Well, but before, there, there before we, some uh, context awareness, before yeah. we do our, our, our mid roll at the end of the show and our recommendations, just, just to, speaking of inside jokes to cap off the AI talk, Maybe what they should do is work on scheduling meetings across organizations oh, and solve that yeah. problem. And then AI would be great. Whatever. Gosh, talk about making me a believer. I would, <laughs> Let's make AI great prefer, again. That's right. I'd, yes, leave it on that. Can't say any better than that. So uh, speaking of that, why don't you go first with your mid-roll thing, Matt Ray? Welcome to the mid-roll zone. <laughs> uh, Chef Community Summit is uh, the the London one. Just is I think it's wrapped up by now. Who knows how time zones work? Um, but uh, this, the the uh, US one is in Seattle in I think a week or so or two weeks. Um, and so there's a discount code available for that uh, podcast, and that'll get you ten percent off your ticket. I think it might be sold out. So. Sorry, um, but DevOps Days Australia is coming up, and uh, I went ahead and acquired a discount code for listeners of Software Defined Talk. Uh, that'll be in the show notes. Um, DevOps Days Sydney, I think it's December 1st and 2nd, and uh, I'll be there to see some folks there. And my recommendation is don't go verify those dates, just book travel. Just just go do it. Also, <laughs> also listeners will be happy to know that Matt Ray tried to introduce a whole workflow process around signing up for discount codes. And I looked up the service desk cost, and we're just not going to do that. It's just it's very onerous. We got, we're going we're doing DevOps over here. So uh, the, I, I only have I already mentioned uh, if you know I have actually renamed Lords of Computing to the Cote Show, which you can go to www.cote.show. And I think I'm uh, we'll see what happens. But anyways, just you can find stuff over there. And uh, and then I I wanted to mention on November second, I'm going to be up in Kansas City. Uh, at, at a pivotal road show, you can come to it free, and you can get uh, some free books and some free lunch, and uh, you can hear me talk about computers eating the world and other nonsense. And then I think we're going to actually have demos of our uh, technology. But uh, Kansas City, who knew? So come check that out. So with that, uh, why don't you recommend first, Matt Ray? What's your What's your recommendation this week? Um. So so. Uh... I've referred to the author Warren Ellis a couple times um, previously. Uh, whoa, somebody just deleted me from the. <laughs> Sorry, I'm uh, rearranging it so the order is correct. People, people want yes. order. Yes, um, I'm I'm the law and order show noter. Yes, yes, uh, Warren Ellis, the the author of uh, uh, books, comics, screenplays, all the above. Great newsletter. Um, he's got a new. Uh, 
a new short novella, I guess. Uh, it was released as a Kindle sing- as four Kindle singles. Now you can buy it as, as an ebook. Uh, it's called Normal. Um, it's pretty awesome. It's about a insane futurist. <laughs> uh, and I'll just kind of leave it at that. But it's uh, really great. Um, and uh, I, I highly recommend reading that. Uh, um, more more. Some of my other recommendations. Hey, Kote, how's how's uh, how's uh, the terror going? <laughs> the terror, uh, yeah. Oh, come on! That's. <laughs> uh, I actually so haven't gotten I, around my, to it yet. I'll, I'll I'll tell to more. I that sounds like a book I'd like to read. Uh, that's true. Yes, but uh, I've gotten distracted by uh, I be re- by reading the DevOps handbook, which finally came out. Uh, I, I finagled I, I, I finagled I, my way into a, uh, a a reviewer copy of it. Which here's a pro tip: if you're going to send a reviewer copy, I get it. Right, you want to make it so that it's hard to uh, pirate it, but please don't spread a watermark across the whole part of the page that I have to like kind of read around every time I'm reading. Anyways, I also got my physical mm. book, but I'm uh, it's like 400 pages. Here's here's a little pre recommendation. It's a good it's a good book. You should check it out. <laughs> uh, so so my my other pick is uh, uh, Zap Brannigan reading Trump quotes. It's so good, <laughs> so so good. Um, the Wait, actor did, didn't Billy Phil Hartman do the Zap Brannigan's voice? No, it's Billy West. Oh, okay, um, oh, that's right. Does, uh, yeah, so he does that brand. He does a bunch of Futurama voices, but uh, Zab Brannigan and Kiff Croker. And so it's just you know, my wall will be bigger than all the walls, and you know, people tell me I have really great hair. Do you want to touch my hair? Um, so yeah, go go listen to that. And, <sighs> just uh, twenty five days left, I guess. So yeah. Anyway, those are my pick. Those are good ones. Well, Brandon, what do you got? Uh, this week, I was going to recommend uh, Slate Plus, so I actually put a link there in the show notes. So if, if you click on it and you subscribe to Slate Plus, which is the paid version of the Panoply Network, um, I actually get some some bonus money there. So I don't know what I get. I get something. So you should definitely do it. That way I get free stuff. But uh, I will say, you know, I've known about it for a long time. I like a lot of the Slate podcasts. I've never thought about doing it, but they had some promo. It was like, 20 per, I think it was 30% off for their 20th anniversary, which is weird. I don't know why they didn't do 20% off, but uh, it's like 30 bucks and you get rid of all the ads and you get some bonus content for all podcasts, which they have. Uh, Coach and I were talking uh, briefly earlier before the show, like, you know, we need to get up our ratings because they uh, clearly do it right. They cover politics, like uh, sports, uh, popular culture. So all of them are super popular. So if you like listening to podcasts and you don't want to listen to the stamps.com ads, uh, it's, it's actually really very nice. It's very nice not to listen to podcasts with any ads in it. So I was surprised how much uh, uh, I enjoyed not hearing all those ads. So yeah, click on it. You know, I think they're still going for a little bit longer. You can, uh, I think it's thirty bucks a year. Seems like a good deal if you like podcasts. Check it out now. Now, Brandon, before I get to my recommendation, have you ever wanted to mail something and you don't want to wait at the post office? <laughs> I've never ever had that feeling. Although I show, I will say this. I'll give. I, I want to maybe uh, be fair in my podcast criticism of ads. Like Harry's, I am a. Long, I would say a fairly long time uh, subscriber to Harry's Razors, which is like I always uh, always hear them advertising. I think maybe I did hear it on a podcast, and they recently. Uh, came out with a new razor blade, which of course you know people are like doesn't matter, but they added some nice features like a, a, a sideburn trimmer six, kind of six uh, blades. 
Uh, not no, they didn't go that route. That's what I respect. I had sent them an email. This is like this is so far liked it, and I was like, oh, I wish you'd had this, you know, a little trimmer blade. And they sure enough, they added that. I'm sure many people wanted. And of course, like for whatever reason, it is very uh, uh, freeing to like never have to worry about razors. They just show up like every couple months, and yeah. and that is actually a product I really like. So so yeah, so the stamps. I'll never understand stamps.com ever. You know, never use that. Harry's love it. Use it all the time. Um, so check check them out. You know, if, if you're someone that needs to shave a lot, Harry's is great. <laughs> We're not getting paid. <laughs> yeah, but I still like it. I like that one. Yeah. Well, you know, also VMware and Amazon and Oracle don't pay us. So it's not like there isn't precedent about talking about stuff. Man, we should get some ads from them. That'd be awesome. I was thinking, you know. Uh, yes, as Brandon was pointing out, we're thinking about changing the format to uh, talking about politics, sports, and consumer technology. So if you have thoughts on that, send us some feedback. <laughs> of course, we're not going to oh, do that. sports. Anyhow, my uh, yeah, love, love the sports. My recommendation is the iPhone 7 Plus, which I got on Tuesday. And uh, one, yes, it's huge. Uh, and two, I think it's great. I think I think all the stuff it does is good, and and I was I had to I had to operate on a uh, on a uh, iPhone five for a while because as 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 semi to loyal listeners will recall, I sat in the ocean in the Gulf with my iPhone six, uh, which killed it. Uh, so I was working using an old phone, and uh, man, going to like the uh, the most recent iPhone after using an iPhone five is great. But yeah, things like the live photos on it, the weird little haptic thing that it does, and uh, the, the uh, how do you say, bokeh, whatever. The weird photo thing that everyone's talking about is actually only available in a beta. And, you know, I'm too old to run betas. I'm just going to wait till it gets released. But uh, it's a good phone. It's a good $1,000 investment. I haven't, and I hope not to test the water resistantness, but that's nice to know. And, uh, yeah, also... One one thing I I've I've gotten to the the point where I listen to uh, stuff not on earphones a lot. So the fact that it has two speakers, my theory, which I do not want to test because I like this to be true, is that with two speakers it's better audio quality, and therefore I don't need to buy a fancy Bluetooth speaker. So I think all around nice phone. It's so good that I decided to give up my iPad Mini to my son Cormac as his uh, his first computer. Which uh, as time goes on, perhaps we can discuss managing ios for your children so that's what i got well i I know it sounds like an exciting topic i'll tell you what it's no sports politics or well it is consumer technology so maybe that'll help out so as always this has been softwaredefinedtalk.com you can find us by going to softwaredefinedtalk.com uh I guess I said the same thing there. You can go to our secret backend in SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Cote Industries, which I might change to Software Defined Talk. And uh, if you want to leave uh, some comments uh, to us on Twitter, that would be wonderful. We always appreciate that. But here's your assignment uh, uh, to be all Ezra Klein on you of, of what you should do. You should go to the iTunes store and leave a review for us. And in the review, you should talk about what do, what do you think we should do this week? Costco. Costco. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. I, you know, I haven't gone Costco shopping in a while. So here's what I, here's what I want to know. One in the U S like what, what Costco thing should, should I, I buy up on and why, like, and how many, and then two, if you're in Australia, you gotta, you gotta tell Matt Ray what he should buy. Now, if there is no Costco in Australia, that will make the task even more enjoyable. I haven't verified this, but (laughs) it's there. I have yet to go. 
Yeah. So, so in in the glowing review that you give, also please tell us, uh, give us a recommendation of what we should buy at Costco. And uh, next week we'll we'll pick the the best review to read, and uh, we'll we'll send lots of gratitude through the tubes to you. And and you know that that would be that would be wonderful. And uh, we'll see everyone next time. Bye bye.